what up? Welcome back to Beers and Buckets. It's been a couple weeks, and I apologize for that. But my name is Connor, and I'm joined by Dal. Dal, how you doing tonight? Or this morning? I say tonight, but we're recording this morning. (laughs) Um, it's kind of funny that we're doing this. Uh, gonna have a a nice little morning beer. I put on a Hawaiian shirt to celebrate, just to to fit the vibes. Even though I think both of us are drinking pumpkin beers, so the Hawaiian shirt pumpkin beer vibe doesn't exactly mix. But uh, you know, we'll go with it. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, it's been a couple weeks. We had. Uh, I needed a little time off. Um, I, I started a new job, and we've had like last week we had two football games in one week due to the hurricane, and then also we had a hurricane, so uh, a little crazy in my life. But I'm glad to be back, and uh, we have an exciting episode planned for you guys today. And it is conference breakdown season because we're less than a month away until college basketball comes back into our life, and so Beautiful. we're going to be talking about. Some uh, some conferences here in the next couple of weeks. We'll probably maybe have to crank out two episodes a week if possible. Uh, but we'll be talking about the conferences here. And so today we're going to talk about the ACC. But first, like always, it's time for the beer review. So, Dal, what are you drinking this Let's morning? do it. All right. I have a, uh, a Dogfish Head beer here. Dogfish Head is a great brewery out of Delaware, I believe. Uh, this is their pumpkin ale. It's a brown ale brewed with pumpkin and spices. It's seven uh, ABV, so it's pretty heavy, uh, especially good that we're drinking it at 11 o'clock uh, in the morning. Um, it smells pretty good. That's not bad. Definitely doesn't taste as like heavy as 7%. That's honestly pretty solid. I honestly... so. This is disclosure that I'll probably make on every podcast that we do this month. But I bought a bunch of pumpkin beers uh, for spooky season for us to do. And I'm honestly not a big, huge fan of pumpkin. I only really like pumpkin because pumpkin is associated with cinnamon a lot of times. Like The, mm-hmm. the flavors are similar. And uh, but this is actually pretty good. Not a fan of pumpkin, huh? You don't like pumpkin pie? Like, it's fine. Yeah, it's not not fantastic. But I'll it's not something it. where I like sit there all year and I'm like, God, I can't wait till pumpkin stuff comes back. Yeah, yeah like, I'll enjoy it. Way. I'll enjoy it like while it's in it season here for the month. Yeah, yeah but I'm yeah. not like just trying to get to yeah, it. Yeah, like to at it. Thanksgiving, we'll do pumpkin pie and apple pie, like a Dutch apple pie. I'll definitely go for the Dutch apple pie before I go for the pumpkin pie first. But I end up eating both, so as yeah. you could tell. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, I am drinking Gourds Gone Wild by Tampa Bay Brewing Company. Uh, it's pumpkin ale, six percent, and it's the fall seasonal pumpkin spice ale. So a lot of vanilla flavors and nutmeg mm. and roast and pecan. So let's try this. It's pretty good. I like it. Yeah, um, kind of reminds me of. Oh, it's not like quite a stout or a porter, but you know, it's a little bit darker. So more like an yeah. amber ale, like a little bit darker like that. I think that was yeah, one, of the like, thing I was, one of the things I was surprised about with mine was that it is like, it says it's a brown ale with like spice and stuff. It like legitimately does taste like a brown ale. It doesn't taste. I feel like that pumpkin beer is normally skewed towards like the stout. Side. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, this one, this one's pretty good. I like it. This is a good morning beer for the fall. You know, <laughs> I'm sure it's cooler up there where you are, but I mean, it's getting like a high of 80 something today here in Florida. And uh, so this morning it was, it wasn't exactly cool, but definitely cooler than what it's been. And so, yeah, this is a, this is a great feel to it. I can't wait for this weekend for us. It's going to be like high of 80 uh, tomorrow. So it's going to be like in the sixties tomorrow night. So I might have a fire. I'll definitely be drinking one of these mm. by the fire. That sounds, That's, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, comparing my beer to something basketball related. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm really stumped by this one. Part of me wants I to say like, first, if you want, if you want, uh, some, some wiggle room. Uh, I, I mean, I think I got mine. Uh, okay. the, the, the nepotism brothers in uh, Syracuse, I think like, you know, they're not great at basketball, but they're not bad. Uh, but you know, you, you gotta, you gotta love them. And also the orange, I mean, yeah. So the orange can, that's where I'm going to go with the, uh, the Bayham brothers. Word. Uh, that's a good one. Actually. Uh, I think I'm going to go last year's Rutgers team. Uh, we are a fan of the Rutgers basketball team because Cliff Amarui, uh, was a mm -hmm. former Kentucky recruit, but, uh, Current Kentucky also, recruit, if we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> Saying he was a former Kentucky recruit doesn't no, mean he can't, I, he can't I, be I a, a, a future Kentucky recruit as well. I know, um, I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like they, they ended up having a bunch of upsets last year that were super fun. They were kind of surprising. They went on a run, ended up kind of flailing out uh, towards the very end, but they went on a run of – Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and someone else, maybe Illinois, uh, last Thank year, right. where they were just upsetting teams, and it was like they need they this win Purdue to be able to make the, make the yeah they were like they need this win to be able to make the tournament, and then they just yeah. like kept getting those wins, and then yeah they didn't. But this this beer kind of surprised me in a good way, so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Rutgers. Good call. So the NFL is back in action and full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting uh, sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger uh, bigger wins. New customers can bet just five hundred dollars or five dollars on any NFL team to win and get two hundred dollars back in free bets if they do win. So. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. So there's a couple matchups this weekend I think I'm interested in. Is there anything that you might be throwing down on the NFL this weekend? Ooh, NFL, my, honestly, my biggest play in the NFL was yesterday, so we we're recording on a Friday. Yesterday, the under in the <laughs> Commanders-Bears uh, game was such a lock that some site like paid out the under. Anyone that bet the under, they paid it out at halftime. Uh, yeah. before the game even ended. Uh, yeah. That was honestly my biggest NFL play of the week. I think I'm looking forward to the Bucks and Steelers. Bucks getting back to their winning ways. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously they beat the, the Falcons last week. But uh, I love it when the Steelers lose. I just can't, I just can't help but watching the Steelers lose. And I got a couple of friends in the, in the, in the Fantasy Football League chat that are Steelers fans. So I'm going to rub it in their faces because uh, the Steelers team is doo-doo. So... Um, 
But I do have Najee Harris on my fantasy team. Might not start him. Probably not. <laughs> so you need you need him to do well, but the Steelers to lose is exactly. Yep, yep. yep. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game day all season long. So a lot of options for you to make money there. You should go definitely check that out. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN to get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins when you place a five dollar bet. On any football game, that's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, Dow, lately I've been listening to the new Tyler Childers album, uh, Ooh, Can I Take really? My Hounds to Heaven? Buddy, that is such a good freaking album. I, I love it so much. He did um, that charity concert with... Chris, Chris Stapleton, Stapleton yeah. uh, here on Tuesday, and I didn't get to go, which I was sad about. Yeah, I, I was I was looking to try and go to that, too. That would have been awesome. But um, but it's been so great, and one of the reasons it's been great, obviously it's a good album, but the other reason is because I've been using the Raycon wireless earbuds to listen to it. Uh, they look and feel sound better than ever, and they have these optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, and so they're comfortable and they won't budge. So. Uh, like I said before, I like going to the grocery store, keeping a headphone in. It's perfect for that because, you know, people in Florida just don't respect any personal space. So you're always jumping out of people's way. Um, it gives you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. And they're priced just right. You get quality audio for half the price of other premium audio, audio brands. So it's no wonder why Raycon's Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Uh, some of the cool things, I like the noise isolation um, I haven't gone on an airplane with them yet, but if I did, I'm sure that would come in handy because you know how loud airplanes can be. And then sure. the awareness mode is pretty is a pretty cool feature too. So uh, I would I would definitely check it out. The sound profiles are cool. So go to buyraycon.com today. Use code TBPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TBPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. All right, so during the offseason, like I said, we've been breaking down the top 25 teams in college basketball. The last thing we did a couple weeks ago was Gonzaga, and now we're kind of running out of teams, right? Psych? Nope. We're going to break down all of the conferences, the major conferences here, and uh, we'll talk about some outlier teams and some of the mid-majors. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about this. So today we're talking about the ACC. And, Dal, I think you're the perfect guest, even though you're a co-host, you're the perfect guy to have on the podcast to talk about ACC. So let me let me ask you this. What are we feeling? Where are we going? Who's the top five teams in the ACC this year? Ooh, so so top five. I think I think it's kind of interesting. There's to me a pretty clear top six, I think, yeah. and that is reflected in our personal rankings as well. Uh, it seems like that there's kind of like a cutoff there. Those six teams are probably like pretty much locks to make the tournament. And then you have like the seven through 10 ish range is probably another kind of little tier where you could really order them in any order there. Yeah. And then the teams that are bad are just bad. Uh, yeah. And you can be bad in any order that you want. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the ACC, I feel like that the ACC. Last year in basketball, last year in football, this year in football, ACC gets just kind of like, um, not unfortunately, what's the word? Uh, 
like unfairly. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets like it gets like unfairly maligned for being bad, even though I don't really think that it is nearly as bad as people act it was. Um, yeah. This year should be especially strong at the top, uh, with those six teams all being really good, and then that seven through ten being actual quality teams. Whereas last year they were probably not as high quality teams. Uh, yeah. But my my top five finish is UNC at one, Miami at two, Virginia at three, Duke at four, and Virginia Tech at five. Um, I think a lot of that just comes down to UNC is so established that I think that will help them in conference play. Um, Miami also returning a bunch of players, Virginia returning a bunch of players. I think Duke is, might be the most talented team in the ACC, but the they just have a lot of stuff to figure out. They have a ton of new players, um, yeah. a ton of freshmen that they're working in. Uh, and some of the teams that, they will be, that will, they'll be playing in the ACC kind of match up to give them some problems, uh, I think, too. So... And then Virginia Tech will actually be kind of sneaky. Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. Notre Dame is my sixth team. Uh, I think they're both kind of sneaky and will be battling for that for that fifth spot. Yeah, I think our top five, like our top five, were very similar. Um, I actually have Duke at at one, UNC at two, Miami at three, Virginia at four, and I actually accidentally switched it, but Virginia Tech at five. Um, so we have the same five, obviously there. And I think we all we both kind of feel the same about Miami. Um, you have UNC number one. I think that's interesting. I'm not as high on them. I feel like they're getting the UCLA treatment that UCLA got in 2020 to 2021, kind of that that deal, um, where yeah they had a great run, but I think it was also a benefit of who they were playing, and then uh, you know making to the championship, and then obviously choking in the championship, um, but. All that to say, I, I think I think this Duke team is very talented, and I'm going to be talking highly of them on this podcast. When we did the preview before, and I talked highly of them then. Uh, with that, I think they'll they'll have some issues early on, and especially in the non-conference. But they'll figure it out by by conference plays. When I think they'll they'll kind of have it handled there. there I mean, there's a concern about the shooting there, but I mean they're just so freaking talented and long that I think they'll, they'll be fine uh, when it comes to that. Now, another team that we both have in our top five, obviously, is Duke and UNC, uh, Miami. Uh, we both have Miami in there, and we're going to talk about them in a little bit uh, as far as, like, players to watch for. But this Miami team is one that made it, what, to the Elite Eight last year? Uh, yes, I believe and so. so. And they didn't really – they lost two of their top three scorers, but they were they're getting some transfers in that are – most sought after transfers in the market this this off season, so um, they they should be able to replace that kind of production. And actually, I think they're going to be more balanced than they were than last year's team. If we're being honest with you, so um, another team we talk about Virginia. I think Tony Bennett's back. Um, I think they'll have a great season, and they could be one of those Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight teams as well. Uh, just because they finished fourth in the ACC, or I've been finishing fourth in the ACC, doesn't mean that that's that's a bad sign for them as a program. I think that's just how deep the ACC is this season, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I I have UNC finishing one. I don't think UNC is the best team in the ACC. No. I think they'll win a bunch of close games, and because they have such a solidified group that should, and I say should in yeah. quotes, like translate the kind of way they were playing and how they figured out 
was the best way for them to play during the tournament. I assume that kind of translates over. Um, but I I don't think they're really the best team. I just think that they will end up finishing first. We see yeah. that happen all the time that the best teams will drop um will drop a couple. I yeah, ooh, actually, yeah I, go ahead. Oh, never mind, I have him on there. I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna shout out a uh a Virginia player, but I have him on our five players to watch. So yeah. Okay, cool. Um we Virginia Tech, we both have him at five. I like that. Um, I mean, I don't think they'll win the ACC like tournament like they did last year, but I think they'll still be pretty good. They're replacing. They're they're losing. They lost a lot, so kind of replacing that production is going to be hard. Uh, but I, I like Mike Young. I think he's a good coach. So um, we'll see where he gets them there. Let's let's talk about some of the other teams. Um, so Notre Dame is right outside my top five, and it's obviously yours too. What do you like about this Notre Dame team? Yeah, I think Dane Goodwin is really good. I think he's probably their best player, uh, and it's going to be it's going to be really exciting for them. Also, I just like Mike Bray. I think that he is a good coach and kind of is really solid at getting the best out of whatever the players that he has. Um, other than Blake Wesley and Paul Atkinson, who are their two kind of like main players, uh, I don't think Paul Atkinson's back. He was a senior last year. Yeah, uh, but outside of him and Blake Wesley. They were all juniors last year, and they all are back. So they are going to be a super, super, um, like, established team that knows who they yeah. are, knows how to play. Uh, they have two guys that shot over 100 threes last year and shot 45%, one of them being a big man. So they can stretch you out on the on the court there. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like the way this Notre Dame team plays. I uh, I like this Notre Dame team too, and ma- one of the main reasons is the shooting guard that they ga- they got coming in, JJ Starling. Uh, he's six three, one hundred seventy, class of twenty twenty two. Like I said, shooting guard from New York. Um, he signed with them in twenty twenty one over schools like Alabama, Duke, Maryland, uh, Miami. The the big ones that stick out to me obviously are Alabama, Duke, and Miami. Those are schools that. He probably could go in there and start for. He picked Notre Dame. He's going to be a stud, I think. Um, I almost had him in my five players to watch, but that just says how deep this the talent is in the ACC. Um, so if we had, like, a five freshman to watch, he'd make that list for me. I was going to say, um, I've seen – they just had ACC media days uh, for basketball, so I've seen a bunch of, like, ballots coming out uh, for different people that cover the ACC, and a lot of them have him on uh, their all-freshman all team for the ACC. Yeah, he's 18th in the ESPN 100, which I know isn't a super accurate representation of how well the talent is, but still 18 in the top 100 is pretty good. Um, so that that is something to watch for with Notre Dame. I think he could be that guy for them. So um, you have Wake Forest at 7th, I have him at 8th, and then I have FSU at 7th, and you have FSU at 8th. So let, let's talk about these two teams here. What do, you, what do you expect from these two? Obviously, you're a little bit of Wake Forest – um, leaning bias, uh, so uh, there's there's that. But you know, I mean, what what do you expect from these two? Ooh, actually, before we do that, JJ Starling is the only consensus five star that Notre Dame has ever gotten, and is their highest ranked recruit. Uh, there we go. So he's twenty first in the composite for twenty four seven. So yes, the ESPN can be kind of sketchy sometimes in terms of ratings, but it seems to be backed up by the other. Yeah. Plus he went to La Lumiere, which is just, yeah. they produce a ton of talent. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Anyways, back to, what was your question? 
Let's talk about FSU and Wake here. They're kind of both, we have them in the seven to eight range here. Uh, yes. What do you like from either of these teams or, there? Um, so I love that Wake lost a bunch last year with Jake LaRavia and Alana Williams both going and getting drafted. And then they replaced them with really three transfers. Uh, I think we ended up getting four transfers, but three that will contribute. And all but one of our captains that they just voted on the other day were transfers, which makes me think that they're just going to have a massive impact. I've heard good things coming out of uh, some reporters that have gotten to watch camp uh, that they look really good. Uh, yeah. I'm just really high on Wake Wake's talent and also, Leonard Hamilton and Steve Forbes might be two of my favorite coaches in yeah. the ACC. So even though sure. both of them kind of have lost some talent um, last year to this year, just the their ability to adapt to who they have and make their teams better uh, is something where it's always going to be hard for me not to think that in the future, unless they're just completely devoted to talent, they don't finish in the top half of the ACC. Yeah, yeah. And and so with for Wake – I mean, the one that stands out to me is Tyree Appleby, and I'll talk about him in my five players to watch. But the way that Mike Mike White didn't – I just – Mike White's just a bad basketball coach. We can just call <laughs> yes. it what it is. And Correct. so, like, the fact that Appleby was able to stand out in a bad system that didn't really use his skill set the way it could be used, I think you'll see maybe not quite the the statistical jump, but you'll see the impact and the production jump from like that Alondis Williams had from Oklahoma to Wake, uh, like you see Florida, like Appleby will have it in Florida to Wake. So um, there's that. And uh, like we said with um, what was the other FSU, they battled a lot of injuries last year, so they were unusually bad. But they got returning leading scorer Cameron Mills back, and they have Matthew Cleveland coming in. He's a five star high school prospect, so I think Leonard Hamilton will have him back in the in the tournament this year and have them set right on their winning ways um but yeah i i'm not like i think there could be a fluky thing i'm just concerned about florida state's shooting i feel like we could say that every year um but i mean defense travels like we always say so and they they always be tend to be a really good defensive team under hamilton so yeah all right let's talk about you have boston college i have syracuse at nine why, why you? Why are you so high on Boston College? Because I have them way further down than nine. <laughs> uh, so Boston College signed two four-star freshmen, which is shocking because they're normally really bad and don't get any talent at all. So I think they'll actually like have some talent there. Um, also, just this is—I mean—it's mainly just based on the like polls I've seen from some media people that I trust coming out. A lot of them have them around like the 10 range. Um, I think they're just going to be kind of a complete team. I don't know if they'll be, there will be anyone that really like sticks out as their star. Um, don't come back. Quentin Post, I guess, is would be the closest person. Uh, he was a junior last year as their, their big man. But I think a lot of the teams that are below them just end up being teams that are, all right, if you can stop X person, then you can stop the entire team. And 
I would rather bet on a team that has that is more of a team that can if one person's down one night, another like person can pick yeah. them up kind of thing. Um, so, but a lot of that really is just kind of me aggregating a bunch of media people who probably pay more attention to Boston College than I do. I gotcha. Uh, like I said, I have Syracuse at nine. This is one of, like all right. So in the past five years, Syracuse has finished forty six and forty six in ACC games with zero <laughs> top five finishes um, in the league standings, and they've lost their top four scorers from last season's team. So it's a weird year because you'd think this would be the year that Bayheim retires. Like you, you think he would have retired this off season. His, yeah. His sons, both left. His sons. Yeah. 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 So, but he's staying and I think it's, he's staying because of one person and one person only. And that's Judah Mintz. I think Judah Mintz is severely underrated. He's currently ranked 33rd. Uh, and I think I'm pretty sure it's 33rd that we, they have him at. Um, uh, maybe in the ESPN is 33, but either way, I think Judamans is severely underrated overall. And I think, I think he's going to lead them to a good season. Obviously they, they lose four out of their top five leading scores from last season. So that's tough to replace with one person, but I think, I, I think he could really do a good job at leading the Syracuse team, um, and keeping them somewhat nationally relevant obviously finishing ninth in acc is not the goal uh but that's where i kind of have them here you have them at 10th so um if they can maybe uh, you know overachieve a little bit and finish seventh that would be good for them and then uh and then i think Beheim calls it a day but uh, i think he wants to see what judah mens can do so watch out for that sleeping giant there i think um, jesse edwards is also someone that i've seen getting some like second and third team mm-hmm. love uh all ACC love. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. They, they, I think they, their problem will be a similar problem to what Duke has, which is like, they just have so many new pieces to figure out. And when you're doing that with, you know, borderline four stars rather than borderline five stars, it just, the ramp time takes up. I, I, honestly, if Syracuse can keep all those guys, they could be an absolute unit in two or three years. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, so yeah, at at ten, I have Louisville. You have Syracuse. Uh, I have Louisville right. there. Go ahead. Louisville doesn't have a point guard. Like I don't I, know if they have a single human that can dribble the ball. Are, <laughs> why? How do you have them finishing ahead of five of these schools? Because uh, I really like Kenny Payne. I think that his where he lacks the recruiting prowess. I think he makes up for the on-court play, and we saw. I mean, shoot, UNC didn't have a point guard until the actual tournament last year. Like they, their point guard play was awful last year, um, and because they had such a good front court, so that, I think you'll see kind of the same. Obviously, not going to make the tournament and make the title game. I have them finishing tenth in the ACC, so <laughs> that's not like it's like a an out of the out of this world feature. I think their front court carries them. I think Kamari Lands carries them, and yeah, that, uh, that's why that's why I have them there. Uh, and also, that just says to how low I think of the uh, the rest of the remaining of the schools. <laughs> the only the only team that I have an issue with you going that low is. Traquavion Smith and NC State because I think he is like individually good enough to keep NC State from being worse than Louisville. 
Yeah, uh, my biggest concern with NC State is that they recruited Dillingham and then they were trying to get Dillingham to reclassify into this year. Uh, And so that just... Oh, they're going to be awful. Yeah, that just speaks to me like how bad I think they'll be overall, despite Tracavion Smith. You know what I mean? Um, I think the sum of Louisville's parts will be better than missing. You know, if they had like a Tracavion Smith, I think they'd just be right where I have NC State. Um, if they didn't have, you know, like the the rest of the um, the players that they have coming in. Plus, Brandon Huntley Hatfield's coming in for them, and I think he's going to have <laughs> much better production than he had last year. So, yeah. It'd be hard to be worse. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. You have Q's at 10. We talked about them. Uh, I have uh, Clemson at 11. You have NC State. You talked about Traquavion Smith. Let's talk about Clemson here. Uh, I am not super high in Clemson. Uh, just they're a football school, and it's okay. We could say that they're a football school. <laughs> they're a football school that plays basketball like a football school. Like, yeah, exactly. They, they almost more than anyone else embody the kind of Texas Tech. Oh, we're just gonna have a bunch of six six guys that are super yeah. athletic and just like beat the shit out of you for yeah forty minutes. Yep, yep. Uh, but they're PJ Hall, their returning leading scorer, had knee surgery in July, He's so good. probably is not gonna be a hundred percent to go to start. Uh, but I mean, like I feel like eleventh is fine for them. They're it's just Clemson is just one of those schools that you don't really have to worry about in basketball, you know. So. Um, you Unless have you're awake and you need to get in the tournament, and then yeah, that's true. You yeah. lose to them. <laughs> um, I have Pitt at 13. You have Louisville at 13. Let's talk about Pitt here. Uh, Do we have to. I don't want to. Dior Johnson. <laughs> that, that's Dior why Johnson's I have my 13. Good. You're right. Yeah, that, that's why I have. That's why I like. That's what I have Pitt there at 13. Here, I'll flip. I'll flip. Johnson. I'll flip them in and Georgia Tech because I go. just kind of threw that on there to be different. Uh, You're higher on BC than I am. I have BC at, at 14. You had them at nine. So we talked about them. All right. Yeah. Do we have to talk about Georgia Tech? Yes, we have to talk about Georgia Tech. Let's do this. They uh, exist. They exist. Josh Passner, not, six seasons at Georgia Tech, and this is going to suck. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I'm not going to be a great there. seventh season. I know. Um, not going to be a great seventh season. Uh, everybody nationally has them finishing last in the ACC. Just not not good overall. Um, poor guy. You know, didn't really replace anybody in the you know in the portal in recruiting. Uh, lost Michael Devoe and Jordan Usher in a team that finished 14th. So when you're losing those two, and you're finishing 14th, probably end up finishing 15th because you're not it's replacing that production that well. Not great. So no. Not great, Bob. Not great. Let's see. I'm looking at right now to see who they have coming in. Obviously, we um, – where is it? Where is it? Yeah, Lance Terry, He 14 points at Gardner-Webb, and then Javon Franklin, uh, 12 points at South Alabama. And then you got a three-star in Cyril Martinov. So, Martinov. So, mm, uh, yes. just – yeah. not. Yeah. And when, when you're losing five players and you're only replacing with three – not going to go well for you. So we won't pick on Georgia Tech anymore. Let's move on to five players to watch from the ACC. Dal, give me your number one player to watch from the ACC. All right. So I made this. I made sure to, because you did yours first. I made sure to not have any overlap. Um, 
Mine is coming from my second team in the, in the ACC, and that's Isaiah Wong. Uh, he's the main returner for that Miami team. Um, shot just over 30% from the field, but his main thing is he just attacks the basket, uh, doesn't foul, doesn't turn the ball over. He's kind of like the, the steadying force on that um, that Miami backcourt. So I am super excited to watch him alongside Nigel Pack and the rest of the Miami Hurricanes. Nice. Um, my number one player here is Derek Lively. I'm going to say my Man. hot take. I'm going to say my hot take later, but uh, Derek Lively, I think he's, he's going to be a force in this league. Uh, so we'll talk about him a little bit more, but you, you should know, watch out for him. Uh, my number two player is also Miami player, and you got the Wong guy. It's Nigel Pack is going to be the best <laughs> player for Miami next year. He was, like, the hottest name in the transfer market. Uh, Miami, like, absolutely killed the transfer portal this year, Yes, by the way, because uh, they got Norchad. Um, so I think they're a more balanced team. Uh, we I didn't really talk about them too much, but I think they're a more balanced team than last year's team was that went to the Elite Eight. And so – but I think Nigel Pack's going to be the, the leading scorer for Miami – and, uh, yeah, so who's your number two player to watch well, for? They also have two four-stars coming in. Yeah, uh, yeah, true. Which is, is kind of wild, too. One from Whitney Young, uh, the home of Michelle Obama and uh, Julie Okafor. I don't know. I looked them up the other day, and I can't remember now why I did that. Anyways, um, my second player is, and this is my, my wake-home reason coming through, is Damari Monsanto. So – Norman Santo, for those that don't know, uh, is a shooting guard for Wake Forest. He ended up going to East Tennessee State first and transferred over with Steve Forbes when he came to Dwinson. Uh, only played in 17 games last year and still was third, no, fourth on the team in total threes uh, attempted. He shot 86 threes in 17 games last year, shot almost 40%. Apparently, he has, like, dropped a bunch of weight, and I know that, like, oh, he's in the best shape of his life is a trope that gets used every offseason with, like, yep. a multitude of athletes and almost always is just a lie. But apparently, he looks a lot thinner, a lot more mobile, and I think that if nothing else, he might be the best shooter and shoot the most threes in the ACC this year, which should be, one, scary for teams because he takes some – just insane heat checks, but <laughs> should also just be fun to watch. So I, I try to keep this like there are a bunch of people that are going to be more well known than him. And I mean, I would be shocked if he even makes an all ACC third team. But if you're just like looking to turn in and just watch someone just absolutely chuck from everywhere, Mario Monsanto is your guy in the ACC this year. Uh, and I'm really excited about him getting a full season uh, coming off his his injury uh, last year. I dig it. Who's your uh, number three player here in the five players to watch? It's the guy for UVA that I said that I wanted to talk about, uh, but I would mention later it's Reese Beckman. I think he's going to be the best player for Virginia this year. And I'm pretty high on them. Um, he is a six, three guard uh, was 66th in the country last year in assist rate. Uh, he's also 38th in steal rate which is kind of a product of their system. 
but he's he's going to be really good, and I think the that Virginia team is going to kind of go as he goes. Yeah, um, he's a pretty decent shooter. He really could probably afford to to get a little bit better. Shot sixty five threes last year. Uh, shot forty three threes and shot almost forty percent in conference play. So if he can kind of translate that into more volume, he could be a really 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 uh, dangerous piece for Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number three player to watch is going to be the number one player in the transfer portal next season. That's Dior Johnson from Pitt. Uh, I think he'll have a fantastic year and teams will be chomping at the pit, the, the bit to get him, not the pit, uh, to get him. And uh, I just think, I, I don't think he's going to want to stay and play for Pitt next year when he's going to see the teams that are really going to be recruiting him, even though he hadn't officially entered the transfer portal. You know that love's going to be there. Uh, so, Either goes to the draft or goes to the transfer portal. I think with the opportunity of NIL, he probably will stay in the um, stay in the transfer portal and go there. But yeah, that's my number three player. My number four player, I already talked about him, is Tyree Appleby. So we don't need to talk about too many more. But um, I think he's going to be great for Wake. I think he's going to be, like I said, that that jump that Alondis Williams had from Oklahoma to Wake. You'll see that from Florida to wake for Tyree Appleby. And that's because of the man Forbes over there. So See, it's, funny cause, it's funny because okay. he's the third transfer on wakes team, even that I'm the most excited about. It's probably Which because just, I I've watched him more because I've watched true. him for so that's long. Fair. So, and just, again, the misuse that Mike white did with him, you know, like fair. finding a, finding somebody that actually will be able to develop you and coach you and, get you in a system that's better for you. Like you got to be excited about that. There's going to be some renewed energy for Appleby there. So, so I, I will say I'll, I'll use this to sneak in a, a special sixth person. Andrew Carr is the transfer that I'm hearing about the most out of the weight camp. He's like a six, nine small forward from I think Delaware, somewhere like super random. The blue um, hens. Yeah. The blue hens. Exactly. Uh, but he, I think he moves directly into that Jake LaRavia playmaker at the, on the wing position. Uh, yeah. he was one of the guys that got voted a, um, a captain alongside Tyree Appleby. I, I think Andrew Carr might be, end up being the best player on Wake's team next year. Uh, yeah. So I can see know. that too. Yeah, I can see that too. I think the impact of that's like saying like, who was, who was the best player on Wake last year? Well, you know, Londis Williams had the most production, but Jake Laravia had, you know, got drafted in the first round. You know what I mean? It's it's tough there, but I yeah, I'm excited for for both of those guys. Um, so who's your fourth player on this list? Your five players to watch. My fourth player is kind of the the lamest of the of the five players, and it's Caleb Love. I Boo. talked about right. I talked about uh, UNC being my the team that I'm projecting to finish first, even though they're not the best player. I think a lot of that, a lot of their success, people are going to say that it falls on Amanda Bacot. We know what Amanda Bacot is going to be. He's going to be really yeah. good. I hope he doesn't win player of the year just to continue to make UNC fans mad. But I think that a lot of their success, and it was the same thing in the tournament, a lot of their success came down to Caleb Love finally figuring out the point guard role and yeah. being able to have him be the point guard and RJ Davis be the shooting guard. So I want to see if the like six game stretch that they went on is real or if it's UCLA fake where, you know, it goes and kind of reverts back to the mean. So I, 
like I said, this is super lame, but Caleb Love does, I think, decide a lot of what UNC does this year. So I felt like I had to put him on the list since none of us, neither of us had a UNC yeah. player. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, and then who's your fifth player to round things out there? I have talked about him already, but Traquayon Smith, he's my, uh, this is a spoiler, spoiler alert, but he's my pick for ACC player of the year. I think that he's just going to be so clearly the, like the entire team for NC State and just the sheer numbers that he's going to put up and the NBA buzz that he's going to get being a kind of like 6'4 spindly guard. Um, he shot 263s last year and shot 37%. Like he's going to put up numbers, especially yeah. with Sebron being gone. So I am just super excited to watch him play. Yeah, and, and I talked about my guy, uh, my fifth player here, Judah Mintz. I've talked about him probably enough, but I think he's underrated. I think he's going to make a splash in the ACC and in the college basketball overall. So let's move on to ACC Player of the Year. You talked about yours, Trevion Smith. I have Derek Lively as mine. I think I'm going to save my, my takes for it and the hot takes. So. Um, I'm, I'm very yeah. interested to see if you – Turn out being correct. If you turn out being correct, my Duke at number four pick is going to look incredibly dumb. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is incredibly dumb, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about ACC Coach of the Year then. Uh, you, Who do you have for your ACC Coach of the okay, Year? Okay, so I did this just because you picked the person that I would probably pick. Uh, <laughs> but... I picked Tony Bennett just because they haven't given it to him in a while and everyone loves Tony Bennett and they're going to be good this year. They're going to be, it'll be kind of like a comeback story. Um, because like Kim Kardashian. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, Tony Bennett, obviously the person that I would compare him oh, to man. the most is Kim Kardashian. Uh, very similar vibes. Um, no, I, I, I just think that, a lot of times this doesn't actually come down to the best coach and it's just kind of the coach that gets the narrative and I can see Virginia yeah. getting the narrative this year. Yeah, yeah. just to spoil it, John Shire is my coach of the year for ACC. And not because I think he will be the best coach in the ACC next year, but it's because the first-year head coach and he has oodles of talent, so they're just going to win a lot of games off talent alone. But I do think he is a good coach. Um, I would be curious to see if they have a down year in recruiting what – he will do, be able to do with the team. But for right now, he won't have to worry about that because the next two years are pretty much set up for him for recruiting. And, uh, you know, so he will probably win ACC coach of the year just because first year head coach is probably going to have, you know, 20 plus wins. So if, they, pretty if they finish first in the league, like you're talking, I don't know how you don't give it to him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to our hot take and I'm going to go first. Um, because I already talked about Derek Lively. I think Derek Lively does everything UNC fans wishes Baycott could do. I think I think they they want to see him become in a more elite shot blocker. You mean Derek win Lively. player of the year? Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh I think he's I think he could be a more elite shot blocker than uh yeah, than than Baycott. His rim, like I said, his rim protection is probably like is great. He's more of a rim runner than than Baycott is. Like Baycott's a low, like a low post scorer, where Derek Lively's going to get the ball and run. He's more athletic. Um, I think he's probably a better shooter. Just everything all around, 
they thought Baycott's the man. No, that's why I think Derek Lively is going to win player of the year is because he's doing everything that people wish Baycott could do. Uh, so that's my hot take. What's yours? Mine is that a non-Duke player wins freshman of the year. Um, we talked about, I mean, so Derek Lively, obviously, if Derek Lively's winning player of the year, Derek Lively's winning freshman of the year because that's would be normally how that works. Um, but I just think we've talked so much about guys this year. We've talked, you, I mean, you mentioned Judah Mintz, loving him. BC, like I said, has two. Yep. Uh, BC has two four-star guards. I don't think they'll probably win just because they're not going to be that good. But, yeah. uh, like, I think there's a ton of really, really, really good freshman talent in the in the ACC. And I think that almost, like, Duke's freshman will kind of almost muddy the waters a little bit and kind of – it's hard to really have, like, an MVP whenever you have three really, really great players. Um, yeah. You're almost better off having just, like, one. And so I could see, like – Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead kind of stealing the shine from each other a little bit. Yeah. Uh, also, someone we haven't mentioned, Rodney Rice is a is a freshman that I've seen kind of on some All ACC freshman teams uh, that could end up being the the guy for Virginia Tech. But yeah, that's my hot take: is a non Duke freshman wins uh, freshman of the year. Nice. All right, man. Well, this has been a fun conference breakdown of the ACC. Uh, let's let's move on to the last call here. Is there anything you want to depart in saying here? Um, just that we're about to come up on the best time in sports, I think. So yeah, there's obviously the March Madness. And, yeah. The yeah. Lap there's obviously March Madness. But, like, the end of football season – and bowl season starting when it overlaps with basketball is just mm-hmm. peak, peak stuff. Daddy like. Um, <laughs> I, I don't like that. <laughs> but I do like when it overlaps. So, yep. Um, yep. no, I'm just really excited. And uh, I'm kind of chomping at the bit to, to get to basketball season, even though I don't want football season to, like, go any faster because I still want it to stay, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna. Mine's I'm pulling out of left field here, and I so last night on our JV game, I called the offense for the first time this season, um, and it was super fun uh, because I've been helping out with defense so much in varsity this season. It helped me become a better offensive play caller. And one thing that I wish more offensive play callers would do, and I'm not saying that that I figured out how to call offense on football. Connor is the best offensive coordinator (laughs) in the world. After calling one game of JV where we scored one touchdown. But one thing that I wish that we could do that more offensive play callers would do instead, like if you run something that works, run it again and see if it works again. If they stop it, that's okay. But like if you run something that works, do it again until they stop it. Because that's what we were doing last night, and they could not stop just a 31 zone with the quarterback keep. And it was just, it was money all day long. The only reason they did stop it was because of penalties on holding and things like that. But, like, I mean, we scored our first offensive touchdown of the season last uh, for JV last night. And uh, so I'm super excited to call it next week in the last JV game. And yeah, so that's, that's what I'm saying is if you coach football, 
or if you have any sort of, or even with basketball, you can apply it to basketball too. If something is working, keep going to it. Like don't, don't anticipate the defense stopping it without them actually showing that they could stop it. You know what I mean? Um, so that's what I'm going to say is just do stuff when it works and do it until it doesn't work anymore. Um, so yeah. And my other last call is follow us on Instagram and TikTok at beers and buckets pod, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube, do us a huge, huge, huge favor. Go to one of the thousand streaming services platform for listening to podcasts and play this episode. So we get some money in our pockets and then, um, yeah, like, rate, leave a review and share this episode and then check out the, the basketball podcast network on Twitter for more shows like this one. So this has been a fun episode. We'll be back. Um, excuse me next week with, if we could try and squeak two in, we're going to try and squeak two in. So big East and big 10 basketball, and then, uh, yeah, the following week we'll do Big 12 and Pac-12 and then SEC and then other notable teams. So, uh, And that'll lead us right into the college basketball season. We're almost there. We're in the home stretch of the offseason. This has been real. This has been fun. This is the bottom line because Connor said so. Dal, you have a fantastic rest of your day. Listeners, you have a fantastic rest of your day or whenever you're listening to this at night. Then have a great evening, too. We appreciate Connor, you guys happy, listening. Happy Big Blue Madness Day also. Yes, yes, yes. I'm recording it tonight. I'm going to watch it after the football game tonight. Super excited. I thought we'd go all episode without talking about Kentucky. Glad we snuck that can't, in there because we are the homers. <laughs> we, we have a we, brand to stick to, sir. We do. We have we have followers to appease. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you no, guys. I'm going camping. I'm going camping, so I have to, uh, I have to record it as well. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Well, you enjoy your camping trip, and you listeners enjoy the rest of your day slash evening. Y'all take care. Peace.